Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Embodied Astrology. My name is Renee, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. I am a consulting astrologer and a sensate intuitive. I understand astrology as a language for deepening our awareness and experience as embodied beings. I think astrology is such an amazing tool and a generous language. It gives us a lot of creative context for getting to know ourselves better, understanding who we are as human beings, having an earthly experience in our relationships, in our world, all the stuff that we're going through. So in this podcast, that's what I'm going to be talking about. I'll be looking at current astrology transits, what's been going on the last couple of weeks, what's coming up the next couple of weeks. I'll be thinking about the way that astrology relates to our bodies, and I'll be offering a number of of tools and suggestions for approaching your embodied experience as a way to get to know astrology a little bit better. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the full moon in Sagittarius, exact on June 17th, 2019. I'll be discussing how the energy of Sagittarius and the energy of Gemini as the opposite sign of Sagittarius, and the full moon is always in opposition, um, how these energies live in our bodies, how they are embodied, and how they're symbols or ways of thinking about our physiological states and uh, what happens in our bodies and our embodied experience. So astrology is not a set of 12 separated things that people are. It's actually a really vast and nuanced way of describing the human experience and all of us contain the energies of Gemini and Sagittarius. So we'll be talking about that today. I'll be looking at um, several aspects that this full moon is making and stimulating and uh, discussing what's been going on in the last week or so, what's coming up in the next week or so, and just generally meandering around with um, astrology as it is embodied. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for your support. Embodied Astrology is self-produced by me and a very small team of people who are all supported by you. So this project is 100% listener-supported. If you enjoy Embodied Astrology and if it brings benefit to your life, please support it. The number one way that you can support Embodied Astrology is by sharing it. You can share it on social media. Um, You can include it in your stories and in your posts. You can tag Embodied Astrology on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, You can sign up for the free newsletter and send it off to all of your friends. You can tell people about it. It's really helpful when uh, people listen and people spread the word. If you have some extra coin in your pocket and you want to support Embodied Astrology monetarily, that is super helpful. A one-time donation can get made at embodiedastrology.com. And you can also sign up to become a recurring monthly donor at any amount per month. And when you become a donor at any amount per month, you also become a subscriber. And subscribers get a month ahead expanded forecasts at the beginning of every zodiac season. We are about five days away right now from the beginning of cancer season, which begins on the solstice 
That's June 21st, 2019. And on the 21st, I'll be releasing a new expanded report. And so this is a PDF with a month ahead planner that includes uh, aspects and lunar cycles and gives you suggestions for how to work with astrology in your own life. Subscribers also get big discounts on my online classes and year ahead birthday reports. These are special reports for every sign. So if you want to learn more about um, subscribing, go to embodiedastrology.com and click subscribe. Before I jump into today's podcast, I also want to give an announcement that registration is open for a retreat that I'm leaving this autumn. Uh, September 28th through October 2nd, I'll be leading a retreat at the Southwester. The Southwester is a queer female run um, trailer park, this amazing place in Southern Washington that has all kinds of renovated airstreams and a big, beautiful lodge with a space for movement and a sauna. It's right on the beach. Um, It's a really cool space. And the retreat that I'm offering is called Expansive Alignment, Committing to Your Vision. And I'll be working specifically with Jupiter in Capricorn, which is a year-long transit beginning in December. And I have to say next year's astrology is pretty spectacular. There's a lot of support for us to make really big changes to manifest, to get aligned, to get integrated, um, and to, to work with our gifts, to work with our magic. And now's the time to do it. So if you want to play with astrological correspondence and embodiment and working with these big visions and big energy, check out the retreat. It's really affordable. Um, it's local. If you're in the Northwest, you can camp at this spot. You can also stay in one of the trailers. Um, people get half off for lodging um, during this retreat. And then you get all kinds of goodies with it, like a catered dinner and um, yoga classes and stuff like that. So information at embodiedastrology.com under play and learn the upcoming events, or you can check out the southwesterlodge.com. That's S-O-U w-e-s-t-r-lodge.com. And then finally, I want to give a shout out to the special episode that I'm releasing with this full moon. That's a conversation um, between myself and the folks at Big Dyke Energy Podcast, Rose Blakelock and Gala Mukulova. Um, One of my favorite astrology podcasts and so much fun to listen to. And it was so much fun to connect with them. And um, you can listen to our conversation where we talk about all kinds of things. You can find the link also in the show notes or from embodiedastrology.com. All right, everyone, let's get into this astrology. Welcome to the full moon podcast. Today is June 17th. It's the full moon in Sagittarius. I'm recording about 11.30 a.m. in Portland, Oregon, on the west coast of the United States, and the full moon was exact a couple of hours ago, kind of in the middle of the night. And the moon has now actually moved into the sign of Capricorn as I've begun this recording. So in the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of thoughts and meanderings around what to do this podcast on. It's usually the process. I'll spend a bunch of time kind of thinking about the themes of the new moon or the full moon or whatever season we're entering into. And then I get to the day of the recording and whatever comes out, comes out. This morning, it felt important to connect with um, a really deep embodiment 
and sensation of this full moon and the signs that it's activating. So the full moon is always in opposition between the sun and the moon, and currently the sun is in the sign of Gemini. It's about five days away from moving into the sign Cancer. So it's been in Gemini for the last three weeks plus, and the sun in Gemini is bringing a lot of attention and awareness into the Gemini themes. As I talked about in the Gemini season horoscopes and podcasts, Gemini is um, associated to the mind and to the mental function astrologically. And over the course of the last month, I have been very aware of my mind and very aware of my thoughts. And perhaps that's in part to just thinking about astrology and knowing what this season is. But I also feel like some of the other themes of Gemini, such as communications, exchange, hearing, listening, comprehension, and understanding, have been really big themes for me as well. Working with clients is always a reflection for me on how I'm feeling astrology, of course. But the issues that people are coming in with, a lot of them also have to do with communication and exchange and working skillfully with the mind and what happens in the mind, which, of course, um, are thoughts. So over the course of the last few weeks, not only the sun, but also the planet's um, Mercury and Venus more recently have also been in Gemini. And Mercury as the planetary ruler of Gemini is increasing the Gemini vibe. And Venus is actually in the esoteric astrology tradition considered to be the soul-centered ruler of Gemini. And so through this lens, Venus is also in one of its home signs. With Mercury's relationship to Gemini, we really do have this idea of the mind and uh, the mental identifications. And mental identifications happen through language and through whatever it is that kind of precedes language. But um, whatever that is, is some kind of locating or identifying and fixing of a personal awareness on some kind of idea or some kind of concept. Venus, as the esoteric ruler of Gemini, brings in um, the knowing and experience of connection and language being tools of, of love. Um, so with Venus as this kind of exalted Gemini possibility, what we have is a, a connective ability or a mental ability to move more towards love and to move more towards relationship. So over the course of these last couple of weeks, um, I know that for me, my attention has been greatly in the language and the stories that are filling my head and in this awareness of the balance between how language and story can influence my perception and felt state and experience and also how language and uh, the mental state can really get in the way of my own connection. And in these past couple of weeks, I've really been trying to sit with this idea and practice this idea that I can connect through a heart space and through a relational space, especially when I notice that my mind is um, kind of going off doing the thing that it does, which is usually move really fast and loop around, as I think many of our minds do. Um, Gemini is representative of a binary. There's a this side and a that side of something, and this is really what our minds do. They function well. Their gift is in um, contrast and comparison. 
And so our minds see a thing and they go, that's that thing. That's not this thing. And we go, not this, not that. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that over and over again. And we do this with ourselves. We do this with our stories, our personal stories where we identify and we go, it's this way. It's not that way. Um, But Gemini is also representative of the curiosity of the mind and the learning process that wants to know what's it for you? What's going on with this? Um, Where did this story come from? You say it's this way, but why? And the Gemini energy is related to early childhood, early cognitive development. And if you are fortunate enough to be around um, young kids, the way that they question, and particularly the way that they question the knowledge or the assumptions that you might um, not question anymore is a real gift to be around. And so um, this kind of experience where maybe with a, a kid, you might remember this in yourself or still do this in yourself, but definitely kids are teachers of this. And you go, well, this thing is this way. And they're like, but why? And uh, they want to know the answer and they're not really um, satisfied sometimes with the answers. So they want to go, well, why? But why? Why that answer? Why, why, why? So the curiosity and the binary um, is one way that we can think of um, Gemini in its function for all of us in how we um, contrast and compare and question, how we can hold the complexity of different answers or different points of view, the multiplicity of things. Um, But with Gemini's correlation to the mind, there's also the state that we can get in of identifying with the thoughts. And so language comes in. And of course, you know this experience because we all have it most of the time. Um, We become our thoughts. Wherever the mind is focusing, that really creates the container for perception. It creates the container for experience. So as we continue with this podcast, with the experience of talking for me or listening for you and some kind of uh, conversation and exchange that we're having in this space, let's take a minute and just get present with the mind. So an invitation now is to bring your awareness into your body and take a couple deep breaths and whatever my words have been doing for you as they've entered your ears and entered your awareness notice the residue notice how your thoughts might be responding to my thoughts or other thoughts or other stories that may be in the background or in the foreground for you and how those identifications, ideas, sensations are coming in. And just take a moment to notice what's present in your mind. What images, what thoughts, what locations, what feelings. Usually for me, the moment that I start to bring awareness um, into my mind and into my thoughts is also the moment that I start to check out. And I'll, um, you know, intentionally begin to meditate, or we can call this meditation or an approach to meditation, um, by noticing, kind of just noticing what's going on. And 
my mind is real slippery, as I think many people's minds are. So as I start to bring awareness and attention and still my thoughts or try and notice where they are, another part of my mind uh, kind of slips into whatever is habitual. And often these are tasks or memories. Um, In the Yoga Sutra, there's um, an offering uh, around what kinds of of thoughts we can have. Um, And so it is uh, said in the Sutra, it's offered in the Sutra, that there are five different kinds of thoughts. There are um, improper thoughts or improper knowing incorrect knowing maybe would be a better way of saying it Um, correct knowing memory sleep and imagination and out of all of those um, kinds of thoughts uh, they all produce sensations and some are pleasurable and some are uh, not pleasurable but those kinds of thoughts, of course, are the, the fluctuations and the identifications that come in um, in a very slippery way. So incorrect knowing might be um, some kind of delusion or fantasy or um, reactivity that's boiling up, that's kind of surfacing um, the places where we kind of circle around distress are often places of incorrect knowing or where, where we're getting hooked on something, where we're thinking that something is the way it is and we're having a really strong opinion is usually a place of incorrect knowing. And incorrect knowing can produce a kind of heat and agitation in the body as well as dullness. Correct knowing, I think, is something that's probably a little bit harder to define because what is correct my experience of correct knowing or when I feel like I get into that space is the closest thing to emptiness. It feels like presence. And when my mind can abide there in a state of presence, sometimes thoughts come in. But the way that I'm perceiving those thoughts is as a a kind of commentary or a temporary situation. But the feeling of the correct knowing is the knowing that those thoughts are temporary, that they are uh, a kind of commentary, and that they're not really the reality of something. Memory, um, as another kind of thought, is another slippery sensation. And so this happens to me all the time when I sit and think I'm going to meditate, like I'll sit And I'll have about two breaths of presence, maybe correct knowing, feeling um, myself in space and time without attachment to the thing that I'm thinking. And then something uh, will remind me of something and my mind will drift off into some kind of trajectory or memory um, or into imagination, which is another kind of thought into some fantasy about the future. And it's also just as often that my mind kind of uh, gets uh, sleepy. Um, And so sleep is another kind of thought. And to kind of go back to this idea of the mental state being related to Gemini, um, Gemini is this energy that 
is associative. So it moves uh, forward and back between one thing and another. And our memories can trigger our imaginations. Our imaginations can be the kind of vortex or the foundation for both incorrect knowing and potentially correct knowing. Um, Sleep is a place where memory dwells all of the time and imagination can lead to. Um, So all of these different kinds of thoughts, they're associating to each other all the time. There's always connections between uh, one thing that arises in mental consciousness and another thing. So with the symbolism of Gemini as the associative mind, and the associative mind, um, it, it travels and it'll grasp one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. So how association works is one idea stimulates another idea. And usually the way that ideas are stimulated becomes fairly habitual. Um, And this is basically how we learn. So in a state of active learning, we can make an association. We go, ah, A equals B, or 1 plus 1 equals 2. And then when we've made some kind of association, when we have experienced that it functions, it makes sense, um, then it becomes a a habit and an expectation. The ways that our minds loop in habit can, again, loop between these different states of thinking. An example here is if I have a memory that gets stirred up, I might easily then jump into an imagination I'll have a memory that comes up of some kind of painful experience, and then I'll jump into an imagination where I somehow uh, relieve the pain, I prove myself right, or I avenge something. Or I have a memory that jumps up, and then I slip into incorrect knowing, I start to ruminate, I start to um, project story into other people maybe that have been there in my memory or other aspects of that memory. And then this might lead me into a state of sleep, a state of numbness where I kind of shut out or shut down. So with Gemini, with the way that it works, um, these loops and functioning of the mind happen really um, kind of unconsciously. And I used the word slippery a couple of minutes ago, and I really feel it like that. The way that our minds loop and the mental identifications travel feels so far beyond any kind of, of conscious control for me most of the time. And meditation is one of the times that I can really practice being present with the way that my mind travels. And one of the ways that I can be really present is by tuning into my breath. And another offering that comes through the yoga tradition, which is where I've encountered it, but probably is present in many other places, is the correlation between the mind and the breath. And so in yoga philosophy, there's um, this kind of saying that uh, prana equals chitta. And chitta is a Sanskrit word for the substance of the mind and the substance of the subjective experience. And prana is a word for the breath. Uh, Prana is also referring to kind of basic life energy, what fills up the material nature here on earth and allows it to express. So let's again just kind of tune into the mind. And you've been listening to me and I've been talking. So there's this residue of words. 
And as I start to pay attention in myself to that residue of words, I can feel the busyness in my own mind, and maybe you can feel it in yours. And together, through our differences of time and space, let's take a couple of deep breaths. And allow your mind to turn towards your breath with curiosity. And notice where your inhale begins. How does it move into your body? Where does it spread? Where does it fill? Notice the quality of your exhalation. And just with that, with one or two or three intentional breaths, notice what happens to the sensation in the mind. I can feel for myself the way that my mind um, suddenly just gets a lot more still. And the buzzing busyness of words and mental focus um, gets softer. It gets more spacious. And one of the things that we can do to really work skillfully with the mind is to work intentionally with the breath. The first or the second um, sutra in the Yoga Sutra is that yoga, which is a a word, of course, for union, for linking uh, the mind with the body or the mind with the heart or the small self with the greater consciousness and the greater self, that yoga is the cessation of the thought forms. And the cessation of the identification with the thought forms. So how do we practice this? Paying attention to breath is one way. Another way that we can practice is by giving the mind tasks. And of course, focusing on the breath is a task and a very worthwhile task, a task to practice all the time. Um, a Another task for the mind that I particularly enjoy, especially working with Gemini energy, is to uh, create a link between mind and awareness. I've been practicing this recently with my hands and my arms, and the hands and the arms are ruled by Gemini in medical astrology. They have um, association to Gemini and then to Gemini's ruling planet Mercury. So just to kind of give give the background to this again gemini is the sign that describes the way that we communicate it is the uh, symbol of our ability to learn to listen and to share our own experiences in the way that we articulate our own experiences based on the tools that we've been given to articulate such as language and such as gesture and in the body Gemini and Mercury rule uh, the communicative functions. So we have the portions of the nervous system that have to do with communication, how we perceive information, how we process it, and then how we deliver it to others. But we also have our um, the, the substance of our words, which is the breath, the air in the lungs, and then the way that we can gesture. So the collarbones, the arms, and the hands are Gemini and Mercury ruled. 
And I've been doing this exercise recently that I've found really satisfying when my mind is jumping around from, you know, everything on earth to everything on earth. And um, this exercise is also really helping me with uh, pain that I have in my hands and my wrists. And so if you're also a person who does a lot of typing or writing, or you have tension in your neck and shoulders and experience pain in your hands, um, you might also enjoy this exercise. But in a, a kind of more energetic and integrating way, this exercise is one way that we can practice with Gemini, which is to create a conscious link between mind and body. So if you want to do this exercise with me, you have to be able to look at your hands and you have to be able to use your hands for this exercise. So if you're um, driving or doing something like, you know, cooking, you might need to take a break or come back to this. Um, but if you're in a place where you can use your hands and pay attention to them, then uh, bring your hands together and press your palms and your fingers together. And then just take a look at your hands for a second and turn your hands so that you look at your left hand and then you look at your right hand and you'll be looking at the fingernail side of the hand and get a connection for yourself between your eyes and your hands so that when you look at one hand, you go, that's my right hand. You look at the other hand, that's my left hand. And then uh, rub your hands together. And maybe you hear my hands rubbing together. And as you rub your hands together, you can feel your skin heat up and the friction of the rubbing creating sensation between your hands and then finish rubbing your hands together and let the hands just move apart a little bit. You might feel kind of a tingling through your palms and through your hands. Okay, now hold your hands maybe about six or eight inches away from each other, the palms facing in. And we're just going to uh, create links from the minds to each of the fingers. And so you can look at your thumbs and use your mind to tell your thumbs to bend in. So you're just flexing your thumbs. You're just wiggling your thumbs. And you're using your mind to tell your thumbs to move. And you're also using your mind to tell your other fingers to not move. And then you can let your thumbs be still and look at your pointer fingers, your second fingers. And now use your mind to bend your pointer fingers towards each other. Now, as you tell your pointer fingers to move, you're also really trying to get as present as you can with them so that the other fingers are not moving. And if this is already starting to feel like, ah, a little impossible, notice what happens with your mind. And if you get really kind of focused and intent and like gripped around this task and let your mind stay relaxed, just know that this is something to practice. Um, it's going to get harder as we go. So now if you can bring your attention into your middle fingers and use your mind to connect to your middle fingers and then just take the middle fingers forwards and the middle fingers towards each other and here I find that oh, it's really hard to get them to move independently from the fourth fingers and maybe you you're feeling that as well, or from the second or fifth fingers too. And 
if, if it starts to feel really challenging, you can take a pause and massage um, one hand with the other and feel the length of your finger bone and follow your finger bone into your hand. So you'll feel the length of your finger uh, move into the, the longer bone of your hand. And each of your fingers actually has a structural relationship to your shoulder. Um, and you might just, with, without kind of getting into all of that anatomy, you might just give a squeeze from your middle finger down the kind of middle of the arm and through your elbow and up into the middle of your shoulder. And you might just imagine here the connection of your middle finger all the way up into your shoulder. And then when you've done that, you could try it again and see if you can tell your middle fingers to just move a little bit independently of the other fingers. And then you can go on to your fourth fingers, to your ring fingers. And if you're finding, again, so if you're finding that it's, it's challenging to move one finger independent of the others, you can take a couple breaths or a couple moments to just do some sensing to feel how your finger is relating to your hand and how your hand relates to your arm. And your arm relates to the shoulder. And you might imagine uh, a line of connection from the tip of the finger into the shoulder. And this kind of exercise of, of asking your mind to relate to one part of the body and looking at that part of the body so you can look at your fifth fingers or your little fingers and go, okay, I see you, I sense you, really try and bring your attention into that part of your body and then I move you, or I ask you to move, is a wonderful way to, to use the focus of our minds um, and to start to hone them and to train them. And as we bring uh, more and more attention, in this case, into the hands, the hands also begin to know themselves. And I feel this with my fingers where when I look at my fingers and I name them and I say, okay, I see you, I feel you. When you move, I'm going to move with you. I'm going to let my sensation travel with your movement. And this process is building intelligence in my hands. It's allowing the intelligence that's innate in my hands and my fingers to kind of be awakened and stimulated to know itself. And then it's giving my mind something to do. And that something is a relationship, uh, not so much uh, a loop or the habitual kind of pathway my mind might take otherwise. So if you enjoy that uh, little exercise, maybe just bring it into your daily life a little bit. I've been taking pauses um, about once a day to do this with myself, trying to really build a relationship between my mind and my hands. And in that relationship is also a gesture of what we're offering out, what we're um, using our hands for in the world, what we're creating, and uh, a little bit of a ceremony to, to bring more relationship and awareness into that creation. So we've been in Gemini season uh, for almost a month. We're about to move into Cancer season. Um, in Gemini season, there's a stimulation of, of the mental identification and of language and connection of all kinds. Where does uh, language come from? Where do our thoughts come from? Here we have the reflection of Gemini in Sagittarius, and that is today's full moon. So the moon... Uh, 
as I mentioned a few hours ago, was in Sagittarius. Um, the full moon is now beginning to separate. It's beginning to move into its waning cycle. Um, but this is just in the last few hours. So Sagittarius, as the opposite of Gemini, is the embodiment of teachers, mentors, beliefs. Um, how do we learn to think at all? We learn from people who are taller than us. We learn from big ideas. We learn from belief systems, from religions, from philosophies. And that is what Sagittarius represents in the language of astrology. It is the way that our thoughts are formed from the construction of truth, belief systems. Um, I've been reading this book called Sapiens that I'm really enjoying. And in this book, there's a lot of... Um, kind of unpacking of, of human evolution. So humans have a biological evolution, and then we also have cultural evolution. And the cultural evolution is the uh, f formation and expansion of beliefs. And beliefs are what binds culture. So we have religious beliefs. We have beliefs in uh, nationality or um, identifications with different ethnicities and different backgrounds. Um, the cultural beliefs that we share with our people and with our groups are in, I think, large part, if not completely, where our thoughts arise from. We learn our languages, we learn our expectations, we learn our assumptions, and then these get filtered through our information processors, our internal information processing, and they become our words and how we understand the world around us. And this is the balance between Sagittarius and Gemini. In Gemini, we filter through the information and we make it make sense for ourselves. And Sagittarius gives us the, the information. It gives us this big picture. It gives us the possibility. With all signs, we have their exaltation, their beauty, and we also have their detriment or their wretchedness and when they become problems. So Gemini is a beautiful sign when we're curious, when we're connecting, when we're using language and thought skillfully. It is not so great of a sign when we're getting caught up in the thoughts, when we're really identifying with the mental looping, when we're giving into our distractions and the way that the mind can associate um, very unskillfully and kind of based in some uh, state of unconsciousness. Sagittarius is in its exaltation when it is vast and expanding, when we're really pushing into the um, edges of our knowing when we're seeking to move into larger perspective. Sagittarius is in its detriment when it's opinionated and fundamentalist and preachy. When uh, we get hold of some kind of larger truth or belief system and then we think that we know something and then we want to like tell other people about it. I certainly know this for myself being a person uh, who thinks I know things quite often, you know, being in that space of like, oh, I've got this idea. I really need to share it is very much a Sagittarian uh, experience. But anytime we think we know something, anytime we think we've got um, the truth, then usually what we've got is a box that we're 
stuck in. And so Sagittarius and its exaltation is how we move into expansion of the mind. The axis of Gemini Sagittarius is the axis of beliefs and um, our open-mindedness, our curiosity. It's the axis of our communication and knowledge, the expression of knowledge. It's how we give language to personal truth. Sagittarius as a fire sign is personal. All the fire signs have to do with the person. And personal truth is, you know, what we believe in. And what we believe in really influences how we communicate and how we're going to be open or not to other ideas. This axis is how we use language to connect truths. And my personal truth and your personal truth are going to be different. And if we can find a way to connect and to get curious, to use our words and our gestures and our uh, facial expressions to inform one another's truth, then we can grow in our consciousness. And so this is also the axis of learning and mental expansion. And in this axis, we um, get to really play with the power of, of words and language and concept to inform and shape the mind, to grow our beliefs, to expand our truths, and to evolve in our expectations. Sagittarius in the body uh, rules the hip joints and the thighs. And so you might um, notice here how there's a polarity and a balance with Gemini. Gemini rules the upper limbs, the joints of the shoulders, the arms, and the hands. And Sagittarius rules the place where our legs connect to our centrality, to our axial bodies, our spines, and our torsos. Sagittarius as a symbol is what we stand in and rise from. If you think about the hip joint as a symbol where our legs meet our spine, um, the hips give us freedom of movement and they give us the ability to travel and to move uh, to, into new terrain, um, to, to hike, to climb, to elevate. It's where our lower bodies and um, kind of our foundations and in our foundations, we might, or I might just name for a moment that we have Capricorn, um, our rules, our traditions, our structures uh, in the knees, and then Aquarius, our societies and um, kind of larger social concepts in our ankles, and then the collective um, Pisces in our feet. So the, the lower limbs, the collective, the, the social, the society, and then the traditions and the rules um, they, they're an anchor. And our belief systems, of course, rest on the, those previous signs or they rest on those ideas. Um, our hips are resting on the stability of our knees, the adaptiveness of our ankles, and then the connection of our feet into the ground. Um, so when we can kind of think of Sagittarius as the symbol, we can also think about the relationship between the, the symbols of Gemini and Sagittarius in this larger framework and in this embodiment. 
So um, maybe you've heard this before, like if you want to run faster, um, it's not so much, or it's not completely about your legs, it's also about your arms. So if you want to run faster, pump your arms harder. Um, there's this relationship between the, the hips, the lower limbs, and the upper limbs that's pretty important. And that relationship um, evolves into a, a contralateral awareness in the body. So when you walk and your left arm swings forward and your right leg swings forward, that kind of um, function of the homo sapien to be upright and bipedal, that we're walking and the opposite limbs are swinging forward at the same time, this gives us the ability to come into midline and to balance with some kind of centrality or forward-moving focus. The contralateral pattern evolves from what's called the homolateral pattern, and that's left side, right side. Um, so to get into this place, we have to move out of a binary, out of going, that's it, that's it. We've got to be able to put both... Um, both sides forwards at the same time. They have to balance each other. So maybe maybe you're following this or hopefully you're following this as my mind is associating between the embodiment and the symbol of the sign uh, and the concepts of the sign. So when we are working really skillfully and beautifully with the possibility of these signs, Sagittarius and Gemini, what we get is a central axis we get uh, a thread of integrity that we can follow that keeps us in our uprightness. And that uprightness is where our ability to conceive of larger perspective and experience meets our capacity to learn. Where we can grow our minds, where we can grow our expectations, where we can notice um, the, the looping pattern of the mind and how our thoughts might actually impede perception, and where we can get curious, allow our thoughts to grow, expand our perception, expand our truth. This is a path, and it's a path of integrity, and it's a path of evolution. And for me, when I feel into Gemini and Sagittarius, I really feel into the potential of evolution for the human spirit, for the function of the mind, and for the ways that we can uh, elevate and awaken in our lives, which I think is um, everybody's birthright and potential. Now, this axis of Gemini and Sagittarius has been greatly stimulated over the last um, nine months or so since Jupiter moved into Sagittarius last November. And Jupiter is the planetary ruler of Sagittarius. And what Jupiter does is it teaches us and it expands an experience. It brings things to the forefront of our awareness so that we can learn and grow. In the body, Jupiter rules the liver. I heard from one of my teachers that the liver does so many jobs that we couldn't even fill an entire um, set of encyclopedias with all of the stuff that the liver does. And doctors are still finding out how much stuff that the liver does. And this is the essence of Jupiter. How much can we process? Um, how much can we digest? The liver is one of the places where we produce the enzymes that we need to digest anything. It has a lot to do with how we can absorb information and nutrition, how we can detox and um, kind of keep ourselves in a state of balance. So Jupiter in 
the sign of its rulership, Jupiter and Sagittarius, is a metaphor for a lot of what we're doing right now, I think, with information and with personal truth. How much information can we bring in in our lives? How can we absorb it? How do we make sense of it? And ultimately, how do we grow in it? How do we expand uh, our perception? How do we give from this place? Jupiter is a gift. It's a, a benefic. It has a very generous energy in the zodiac, and it's one of the places where we find our talent, where we really want to give. So as you kind of consider these themes, definitely think about where Sagittarius is in your birth chart, what house it rules, uh, what house Gemini rules. And in the place that Sagittarius rules in your chart is a place where for the last nine months or so and uh, through December of this year, you're you're growing a lot. You're really reaching into uh, an expansion of possibility. And in order to get into that expansive place where you can really give your gifts, where you can uh, grow into the next level of your evolution, there has to be a process, which is probably really stimulated right now, around waking up to the mental identifications, waking up to the ways that the mind uh, might keep your perspective smaller. I do want to take a moment just to give a plug for a retreat that I'm offering in September that um, is going to be focused uh, on Jupiter. We're going to be working with Jupiter and Capricorn, which is a cycle that begins this December. And from uh, September 29th through October 2nd, I'll be leading a retreat in Southern Washington um, where we work with Jupiter and Capricorn as a symbol. And um, it's like a, a... alchemy, magic, and embodiment retreat, kind of um, resting into these symbols and exploring their possibility and um, using them to set intentions for 2020 and how we want to use our energy next year. So if you want information on that, it's in the show notes and um, you can find it at embodiedastrology.com as well. So to get back to Jupiter, there's a lot of emphasis on Jupiter with this full moon. Uh, The moon was conjunct to Jupiter yesterday, that's on June 16th, and then the sun in Gemini was opposing Jupiter uh, at the last quarter square, or the second quarter square in Virgo, and that was on June 10th. So um, the sun and the moon are our right and our left eyes astrologically, our objective um, kind of larger consciousness that the sun brings, it brings attention into something. Uh, The sun in Gemini is opposing Jupiter. It's really asking us to get in touch with what we believe in. What are our deeper truths? What are we anchoring in? And the moon is our subjective awareness. It's the personal experience. And so in these last few days, you may have um, kind of felt the ways that your belief systems are really functioning in your body. Now, Jupiter right now, as I'm recording this, um, is in the second of three exact squares with Neptune. And this aspect was exact yesterday as well on June 16th. Um, The first aspect occurred in January. It was exact on January 14th. And the third and final aspect will be in September on the 21st. 
Now, a square is a challenge. And so whenever two planets are square to one another, we get the challenge of their combining energies. Um, If you just imagine a square, it's a 90 degree angle. These are two energies that are working towards fairly different aims. Um, But their energy has to find a way to work together. And in order to understand this, let's take a moment and talk about Neptune. Um, So Neptune is currently in Pisces, and Neptune is what's called the modern ruler of Pisces, and Jupiter is actually the classical ruler of Pisces. So Pisces is an energy that um, in the body rules our endocrine system, the way that uh, an emotional state can change very rapidly sometimes, but completely. And the physiology of an entire system can shift with endocrine. So one little drop of cortisol in the bloodstream or adrenaline or dopamine, these are chemicals that our bodies produce and uh, shift our entire state of awareness. The endocrine system is stimulated by and in conversation with the emotional system. And when we feel things, uh, oftentimes there's a chemical foundation. So like if you're feeling really in love, um, your body is experiencing increased uh, dopamine production. And the emotional system can also trigger the endocrine system. So if we're feeling um, really fearful, for example, our bodies then will release more stress hormones. So we become um, uh, more sympathetic and ready to to react or to respond in a protective way. In uh, a more conceptual um, framework, Pisces rules uh, the larger experience of things. And therefore, it can't really be articulated because the larger experience of things is always too big to to really understand. So we have kind of global culture or evolution. could think of Pisces in that way. It's like, how did we get to the place that we are? Who knows? It was billions and billions of influences interpermeating with each other. Um, And therefore, Pisces is also associated to deeper meanings and larger truths, uh, such as God, or whatever name you want to give God, a sense of of the spiritual. Um, Neptune and Pisces, in their exaltation, in their highest manifestation, um, are love, and the the kind of love that is oneness. It's non-separation, it's non-self, it is moving uh, past the ego, past the separated self. But Neptune and Pisces, in their detriment, um, are the ways that we get completely confused about what the self is and uh, grasp to fantasies and illusions and delusions. So the square between Jupiter and Neptune, um, if we think about this conflict between truths and personal truths, and then um, like a larger truth or a larger one or spiritual connection or confusion, Um, we can feel some of the friction that is definitely so present in the world right now. And I I know it's very present for me. I know it's also very present for my clients and for my friends who I've been talking with. This kind of question of like, well, what do I believe in? And what am I going to choose to believe in? My personal truth is based on story. It's based on my experience. It's based on my past. 
but I can also grow. My personal truth can expand. I can uh, tell a different story or I can evolve the story that I'm telling um, when I notice how my beliefs are limiting me. How can they grow? How can I let myself, my mind, my opinions, my goals um, grow and evolve? And the, the other option right now is delusion. It is getting really attached to f- fundamentalist ideas, to this is right or this is wrong, um, to some kinds of opinion. It is like an increasing erasure of that correct knowing space, of that space where we can be present, and an increasing attachment to the incorrect knowing, which is, it feels like bombastic or hyperbolic a lot of the times, where we get really convinced around something when the ego or the self become aggrandized. And that doesn't always mean really confident. Sometimes when the ego is really stimulated is when we're the most insecure. Um, But it's when the self becomes what's centered. So this square between Jupiter and Neptune um, is really stimulating a lot of this, I think, for a lot of people. And as I mentioned um, a couple of moments ago, this is the second of three squares. So if you think back to mid-January, you might uh, come up with, with some themes. And then you might also consider, again, where Sagittarius is in your birth chart and where Pisces is in your birth chart, because these are the places that are stimulating each other in conflict right now. Now, Neptune is particularly activated right now. It's receiving a lot of aspects. Um, It is receiving a sextile from Saturn and Capricorn and a trine from Mars and Mercury in Cancer. So the sextile from Saturn and Capricorn um, is a lending influence. This is bringing the stability of Saturn and the stability of Capricorn to Neptune um, in Pisces. This is helping us to get a little bit more discerning, um, to clarify for ourselves how we're working with our own states of illusion or expansion. The trine from Mars and Mercury is bringing in a lot of water energy. So Neptune is in Pisces, Mars and Mercury are in Cancer. Uh, In the astrological language, water is the emotional space and the feeling space. And Mars in Cancer is stirring up a lot of feeling. It's bringing awareness to our emotional defense mechanisms. And Mercury in Cancer is bringing a lot of attention to the ways that we bond and um, kind of the, the cords of our relationships. Mercury and Mars are also transiting right now with the North Node, and the North Node is one of the eclipse points, and we are now entering into eclipse season. So as of next week, when the sun moves into Cancer, the next um, lunar cycles will be eclipse cycles. We'll have um, both a, a solar and a lunar eclipse. And this means that there's a lot of potential for change and evolution with these themes. And so the cancer themes, um, cancer rules the home and where we're safe as a concept in our bodies, it rules the stomach, where we're nurtured and um, kind of how we feel comfort and how we bond. So themes of inclusion, uh, home, tribe, claiming, who, who claims us and how we claim ourselves and how we claim each other, mothering and parenting, 
and um, boundaries and safety. How do we protect our home? How do we uh, open our home to others? These are big energetic and emotional themes right now for many people. And with Mercury and Mars there, there's a lot of energy uh, to to shift, um, hopefully to shift and to evolve. So Mars was trying to Neptune on June 14th and Mercury was trying to Neptune on June 16th. So again, the trine is a flowing energy. It links these two signs really easily. Water flows right into water. The water of cancer, the uh, very personal emotional state flows into the water of Pisces, the non-personal collective emotion. On the 18th, which is tomorrow, Mercury and Mars will come into an exact conjunction, and Saturn and Neptune will come into their exact sextile. So as I'm recording this uh, full moon podcast, the themes right now of um, our discernment, our ability to um, put some container around our feelings to hold them with at least somewhat of an objective space, the Saturn and Capricorn influence that allows us to be fairly dispassionate is giving a lending influence to this other energy that's um, really encouraging us to open up, to become more inclusive, to notice the ways that we're working with our emotions, that we're working with our bonds. And I think for a lot of us, this means coming into greater clarity with our bonds and coming into greater clarity with our um, emotional intelligence. That's what I'm hoping that it means for a lot of us. It's what I'm experiencing in myself is um, kind of the uh, ability to, to work with my emotional self in a more rational, logical way. Um, It doesn't mean that the emotions aren't there. It just feels like I have a little bit less uh, attachment with them. I can see them functioning. Doesn't mean they're not functioning, but I can watch them functioning with enough separation that I can start to do something about it. And I've been really appreciating that sextile from Saturn these last couple days. Um, Mars and Mercury have also been in an opposition with Saturn, and these aspects were also exact on the 14th and the 16th. So Mars opposed Saturn on the 14th, and Mercury opposed Saturn on the 16th. And the axis between Cancer and Capricorn, which is getting stimulated, is doing this work around um, the the softness and the interiority of cancer's emotional state and then the container and the boundary and um, discipline and, and discernment of Capricorn state. So themes here are discernment, dedication, humility, and refinement of the ways that we work with our own egos and uh, relationship and connection, um, or increasing rigidity, authoritarianism, and war in our action and our words, which is a a more kind of detrimental manifestation of these oppositions. Um, As we move into the next week, as I mentioned, uh, Mercury and Mars are forming their exact conjunction tomorrow, Saturn and Neptune are forming their exact sextile. Then the day after Wednesday, June 19th, Mercury and Mars will both go on to oppose Pluto in Capricorn. 
So next month, I'm going to do quite a long episode, or not quite a long, but an in-depth episode on Saturn and Pluto in Capricorn. I'm going to be talking um, specifically to Saturn returns and people who are um, working with their Saturn return right now are really wanting to understand Saturn in their chart. Um, So make sure to listen in next month um, with the podcasts there. But briefly, as Mercury and Mars uh, move into their opposition with Pluto, these themes around deep transformation of underlying patterns and specifically the ways that we have attached to rules, internalized rules um, in our relationships are what is transforming. Pluto and Capricorn is a transformation of the rules and it's a transformation of long-held structure. So in your life, notice what's coming up in your relationships and in your emotional bonds and any ways that you are addressing um, your own internalized rules. I'm going to relate with you this way. I'm going to relate with you that way. Or you're addressing boundaries or you're addressing um, these kind of silent expectations where you may be feeling into something, coming into some kind of expectation or assumption about it, taking that as truth, not questioning further. Mercury and Mars in their opposition to Pluto um, this week really help us to kind of uh, move out of that and to move into a potentially radical transformation of the way that we connect. Um, Big themes for a lot of people right now are around attachment and emotional attachment and how we lend ourselves or give ourselves to attachments or how we resist and boundary around them. So notice what's going on for you and check in with Embodied Astrology on Instagram. Uh, If you want to stay up to date with me, I'm posting about all of these aspects, little stories about them. And then you can also um, check out, as usual, you can check out the Embodied Astrology seasonal planners. And in the Gemini season planner, I talk about these aspects as well. Um, And the planners are available to subscribers and you can subscribe at any time, at any amount per month um, for these expanded planners. And the next planner will be coming out on Friday. That's June 21st. That is the summer solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. It's the day that the sun moves into the sign of Cancer. Um, And it's also the day that Neptune turns retrograde. And Neptune will be retrograde through the end of November. Um, And so these themes that I'm talking about in terms of Neptune and the possibility for our increased intuition, sensitivity to collective emotion, working more deeply with these larger spiritual truths. This is going to be a really big theme uh, over the course of these next six, seven months or so. Um, And in the next week after we get into cancer season, Venus will go on to form a number of aspects with these same planets. And these aspects are more challenging. Venus is in Gemini right now, and it'll form an opposition to Jupiter and in conjunct to Saturn and a square to Neptune in the week, uh, the first week of cancer season. So the way that we're using the Gemini capacity for language and capacity for connection really does have to come into a place of much deeper um, relationality. And uh, all these themes are definitely going to continue to be present and um, learning spaces. So to summarize the podcast, happy full moon. The full moon is always an illumination and relationship 
when we come into relationship, we come into awareness of difference and curiosity about difference allows us to expand our perception and expand our awareness. Some questions to consider at this full moon, some reflections to reflect on. What and where are the roots of your thoughts and identifications? How is your mind being stretched towards a larger truth right now? And what is it that you are willing to stretch your mind for? How do you connect with this expansion and the possibility of your own expansion and evolution? What are you working through transforming and releasing so that you can become more inclusive? And inclusivity for me feels like a deeper state of love. The more that I can open my mind and become curious, less identified with my thoughts, the more I feel like I can actually love myself. I don't need to prove something. I'm not in a space of constant comparison. And the more comfortable and loving I feel with myself, the better my relationships get. The more I can actually relate, the more I can be in that space of not knowing, not needing to assert, but just being in the essence and being in the quality of connection. So how nice is that? Really feels like a relief when I get there and definitely feels like something to practice. As we move into these next few weeks, um, the aspects that Venus and Gemini will be making, Neptune turning retrograde, remember that language is a tool for connection. And language happens on so many levels. It's not uh, just the words we speak. speak. It's also the way that our thoughts come into form and uh, how we engage with our thoughts and we engage with our concepts, um, how we connect and communicate on the gestural level through our eyes. Um, are our eyes soft or are they aggressive? Are our ears receptive or are they listening for what they expect to hear? I want to give a, a nod and a shout out to Lo Mathis, who's an artist who I've really been enjoying um, for a while. And recently I was on their website again and just really appreciating the way that they use words to um, expand perspective and invoke love. Um, they're a champion of radical softness and they use tenderness as a tool for dismantling oppression. And I just love these ideas. So um, look them up at lauramathis.com. That's L-O-R-A-M-A-T-H-I-S.com. Um, all kinds of inspiration on radical softness as a weapon. It's kind of a cool idea for Mars and Cancer right now. Um, and yeah, notice what you're believing. Notice what ideas are coming in. Um, remember that Knowledge is not ideas, it's not right and wrongs, it's not language, it's quality, it's essence. Commit to the quality and teach by example. Be someone who is teaching others uh, and yourself constantly by checking in with presence and uh, expanding yourself into that space of correct knowing, which is not knowing. That's what I think. <laughs> That's what I know. <laughs> 
Um, as the sun enters Cancer on Friday, we uh, begin the eclipse season. Um, eclipses this year in Cancer and Capricorn season. So these are opportune moments, my friends, for change and transformation. Stay awake and stay curious. Um, practice good internal parenting. Give yourself good discipline. Give yourself good encouragement. There is a lot of potential right now to change and expand perspectives and possibilities. Um, to, to close out this podcast today, I want to give a big shout out and um, just all my love to queer people everywhere. Thank you. Thank you for doing the emotional labor of changing perspective and expanding knowledge in yourself as you confront and battle and shift paradigms around um, sexuality, around gender, around presentation, around connection, around community, around intimacy. Queerness is so much more than sexual orientation. It really is a way of life. I mean, it's a, a complete perspective and perspective shift. Um, a special thanks to all uh, queer trans folks of color. Um, those of you that are in bodies that are differently abled, that are working in a lot of different intersections um, and through your lives, you are embodying these teachings of expansion and perspective and doing so much work for so many of us to experience life in a more um, accepting, open-minded space. So thank you. Thank you for shouldering that burden, for doing this work, and for committing to your truth. Um, in celebration of Pride Month, I've created a special episode with my friends, uh, Rose Blakelock and Gala Mukulova, the two creators of Big Dyke Energy podcast. Big Dyke Energy is my favorite astrology podcast to listen to right now. I really recommend it if you're interested in um, queer astrology, if you're interested in as astrology as a kind of jumping off point for pop culture and for all things gay um, or dykey, I should say. <laughs> Not always the same. Please check them out, Big Dyke Energy. Um, we had a really fun conversation. We talked about all kinds of things. Um, so you can listen to that conversation, listen to us talk about astrology and relationships and drugs and outer planet transits and our personal lives. Um, and you can find that link in the show notes and you can find it from embodiedastrology.com. I will be back with you on Friday. That's June 21st for cancer season. You can get your month ahead horoscopes there. And just a reminder that subscribers get access to the expanded report. And that includes a PDF that gives you all kinds of info and updates for planetary transits and lunar cycles and suggestions for how to work with them. Working skillfully with astrology makes my life a lot better, more interesting, but also I have to say objectively better being able to use timing and to consider astrological openness. Um, you know, it doesn't make everything perfect, but I definitely notice a difference when I'm using astrology and when I'm not. And, um, all the feedback I get from clients and from you all who are checking in with embodied astrology regularly is that it's helping you too. So please consider subscribing. 100% of your subscriptions go to supporting this work. You can subscribe by donation. It's a recurring monthly donation, but it can be any amount. You get access to these expanded reports. Subscribers also get 
discounts. You get big discounts on any of my online classes as well as my birthday reports. And so every month I put out a year ahead expanded birthday report for every sign cancer season is coming up. The cancer year ahead birthday report will also be coming out on Friday. If you're interested in getting one of these for yourself or buying one for a friend, they make really great gifts. Um, And again, subscribers get discounts. Finally, I want to close out the podcast by encouraging everyone who's listening to um, get out there and support the folks who are doing some heavy lifting around changing perspective and expanding perspective, giving us new information and being pioneers and leaders and examples of um, new knowledge, expanding possibilities. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar, you probably know their names. They're two of my favorite people to be paying attention to. They're both young women. They're women of color. They are women who are taking leadership in the United States Congress. And they're also um, politicians who are supported more by their demographics, by their constituents, than um, PAC money and corporations, and their success is fueled by us. So if you, like me, appreciate the work that they're doing to bring um, different perspective and an expanding conversation that feels definitely a lot more relevant and important um, onto center stage and into the political stage, then please consider giving them a donation. They are working with crowdfunding, not big PAC money. So check them out. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the Nat Turner Project, which is a Portland-based um, artist collective and support for artists of color. Um, Nat Turner Project gives small artist grants to artists of color and allows them to expand their practice. And of course, art and culture are um, some of the biggest ways that we expand our minds. Nat Turner Project is doing some fundraising right now for their year ahead with programming. And um, if you are in Portland, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, or if you're just someone who wants to support the arts and wants to support an amazing cause, um, you can check them out at natturnerproject.co, N-A-T-T-U-R-N-E-R project.co. And you can find more information about them there. You can also find them on Instagram and a link, of course, in the show notes. And then the final uh, offering that I want to make and um, request for your support is thanks to one of my listeners and um, a friend from social media, Deb. Thanks so much for sharing all the information that you do share with me. Um, Last week, Deb uh, shared some information with me about a supermarket in Los Angeles called Mr. Wisdoms. And um, this supermarket in the Crenshaw neighborhood, maybe you're familiar with it, is the oldest organic um, market or option in that part of Los Angeles. And it's one of the only options for folks in an area that's otherwise a food desert. Um, When we're thinking about the possibility of expanding our minds and working skillfully with our mental state, nutrition cannot be understated as an important factor. How we nourish our bodies has everything to do with how we can come into relationship with our minds in a skillful way. If we're eating junk, our minds are going to be uh, more dull, more distracted, um, more prone to anxiety. If we are being nourished um, with good food and clean water, we can think clearer. 
we can have more peace in our minds. Um, getting access to good food and good water is so critical and so important and something that unfortunately is not available for a lot of people. Um, so there's a crowdfund right now to raise money to keep this market open. And I will include the link in the show notes. Um, but you can also, uh, look for keep, I'm not actually sure how to say this name. It's a street name. I think it's Slauson or Slauson, S-L-A-U-S-O-N. Um, keep Slauson fresh. And um, yeah, you can give some money to the fundraiser and help people get access to good food. So please consider after you've listened to this podcast, um, sending support to these people, to these projects, to these resources, and uh, sharing your resources as a means for all of us to expand our perspectives and possibilities and um, connections. Thanks everyone so much for listening. I really appreciate your support, your time, and your attention. I will be back with you on the 21st for cancer season. I'll check you out then. Until then, happy full moon and bye for now.